There's definitely a hierarchy of relationships in our society in which married people are at the top. Like we're all supposed to be moving like from different stages of relationships up to marriage and it seems like everything that you do is supposed to like lead up to that point. And I think that that normalizes the idea that other types of relationships that we have that are not leading to marriage or a marriage are less important because we prioritize marriage in the couple unit so much. You're listening to This Polyamorous Life. I'm Reg, and today I'm talking with Juno. Juno is a YouTuber, podcaster, and essayist, coming at ideas with a relationship anarchy point of view. Drawing from their experiences and how they were treated as a former sex worker, Juno levels some harsh criticism at the very concept of the couple. Uncompromising in their efforts for personal autonomy, Juno tells a story about the perils of falling into the default social hierarchies. I spoke with them last August at a park in Metro Detroit. And a quick production note, it was cicada season, so they do make a bit of an appearance in the recording. All right, uh, my name is Juno, and um, I would say that I both practice and I'm always trying to pursue, like improve at um, what I would call autonomous relating. and yeah, I wouldn't like label myself anything other than that. Like I just, I really try to practice autonomy as much as I can and respect other people's autonomy with how I relate with them. Okay. So, okay. What's autonomy? Um, autonomy means self-governance and or self-determination. So you're making your own choices for your own body and your own life and you allow other people to do the same. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. And so autonomous relating, like, how does that look? Like, mm-hmm. how is that different than other things? Like, how is that, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. the show is called This Polyamorous Life. So how is that different from polyamory? Um, so I don't think it has to be different from polyamory okay. necessarily. I'm just very intentional about it. And so I want to make sure that I communicate that when I talk about non-monogamy. Okay. Um, but I would say that it's different from the ways that some other people practice non-monogamy and that I don't um, at all create rules for other people about their behavior and I don't accept other people creating rules for my behavior, mm-hmm. um, including things that I would call agreements but that end up being practiced as autonomy limiting rules. Okay. So for instance, like limits that one person might put on their partner for like how and when they can have intimacy with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and in what in what ways? Like for instance, like what types of like maybe like safer sex practices they think their partner should be using or that okay. kind of thing. Like I don't engage in any of that whatsoever. Okay. So like the super common um thing of like, okay, just make sure that you use barriers, like make sure you're using a condom or something like that is something that you you're not cool with or like Explain a little further. Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't tell anyone else that they have to use barrier methods with people other than me mm-hmm. because I don't seek to control how they interact with other people. I just do things to protect myself um, within the interactions that I'm having. Right. Okay. So yeah. that, ma- that makes sense. So you, you are controlling yourself, essentially. You're controlling right. the situations that you can control. Exactly. And I don't have expectations like about what other people are doing like I well I guess my expectation is that people could be doing whatever the hell they want (laughs) 
and I can't expect anything else from them. So Mm -hmm. with that information, I have to do whatever I would do, knowing that people are going to do whatever the hell they want without me there to protect myself when I'm with those people. Yeah. And I'm, (laughs) yeah, that works well for me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's kind of the expectation of no expectation in a certain sense, like, like, or, or, you know, expect everything or expect nothing is almost the same sort of. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, all right. So, um, y- so you've been doing this for how long? Only about, I want to say like almost two years. Almost two years. Yeah. Now. Okay. Okay, cool. So almost two years, but that's, that's, uh, a short amount of time. Yeah. Um, consider, you know, um, you're, I believe you're in your 30s, right? Can I say that on this podcast? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm 33. Okay, you're 33. Yeah. So, so you've, okay, so you've only been doing this for, uh, for two years. So what happened? How did this begin? What, mm. where, what led you to this point? Was there a, an event or something? Like, yeah, um, I mean, I've always kind of played with the idea in my head to be well not always but like in my mid-20s I started playing with the idea in my head and really like what prompted even like the thought of that um was that I was primarily always like in a relationship with a man Mm -hmm. and I wanted to I didn't want to exclude women from my life just because I was dating a man okay so that's really what started it um before you move on we should point out you identify as uh queer queer okay cool yeah so, so, yeah, so men, women, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, people of any gender. People of any Identity, gender. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've always had those types of thoughts. Um, but then, yeah, about, like, almost two years ago, I was um, dating a man, and I brought that up to him. Like, I just decided, okay, I really want to take this seriously, and um, while I'm dating you, I would like to also be able to have, like, intimate relationships with women in whatever way that looks like. Mm-hmm. And he was totally fine with that. Um, but then really had a problem when I brought up like, oh, well, actually now there's this guy that I would really like to be able to be intimate with too. And he had a huge problem with that, which I feel like is often something that can happen, um, probably with like monogamous people who are transitioning to non-monogamy perhaps, um, Mm -hmm. like one penis policies. Um, but yeah, so I was not going to accept that type of role on my behavior because I also just thought it was ridiculous. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's when I actually really got into the idea of like, okay, I am a separate individual from you and I can do whatever I want with my own body, regardless of what your um, expectations are for me. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so we eventually broke up (laughs) because of that pretty much. Yeah. That makes, I mean, that's kind of understandable. So, so, you had a so you had a rule placed upon you and that led you to like what what like how did that feel um it felt very well it felt unfair it felt controlling and i feel it all how do i put it it felt um like it didn't make any sense to me Mm-hmm. And so I felt like, why should I follow something that doesn't make sense to me? But yeah, really, I think like the biggest thing was like it felt controlling and possessive on his part and competitive. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt. C- competitive, meaning yeah. like he, because 
Explain explain yeah. what you mean by that. Well, okay, and maybe this isn't my feeling. I guess maybe I'm projecting onto him, but okay. we did have a conversation about it. But um, yeah, I like my perception was that he was being competitive with other men because he didn't want me to like possibly maybe like leave him for another man. Mm-hmm. I think he felt that there was going to be competition. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that that's at least my understanding of why one penis policies happen is exactly mm-hmm. that, right? Like, like it's yeah. the, um, that the fear of abandonment, the fear of, um, you know, that, that you won't be good enough, but it's like when you put it, that way when you think about it that way and then really think about it it's like <laughs> oh it's my like it's it's the person who's putting the rule it's like oh you're you're insecure is yeah. what it is right it's like oh you know like how do i it's like if somebody's like how do i know you won't leave me for this other guy it's like we you do. really like you really think that you're <laughs> that, that, that you're that that your worth is so little in mm-hmm. a sense you know but it's also like the answer is that he doesn't know that and you just have to mm-hmm. deal with that mm-hmm. uncertainty and impermanence. Like, yeah, I could actually not want to engage with you anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not why I'm doing it to like switch up. Like I want to have multiple relationships. But yeah, there is that like insecurity that I think that people need to accept that any any time they could be rejected, like their relationship could end. Right, right. I guess there's yeah. there's two different two different meanings of insecurity in a certain sense Mm. right there's the the insecurity just of like on the facts of things where like yes people can leave you like all of those things and then there's the the insecurity to the point where it makes it like like a psychological insecurity i don't know i'm making up words to a certain extent here to Mm. to but the that idea of like that emotional insecurity right Mm. where there's there's the knowledge that, oh, you know, a horrible storm could happen and your house could explode or not explode. <laughs> your house could burn down. Uh-huh. A horrible storm could happen and your house could explode. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Right. Like, like horrible things can happen. Uh-huh. And there's the knowledge of that. Right. And then um, and then on the other hand, there's living your life like your house is going to burn down, mm. explode. Whatever. Okay. Right, yeah. right. You know, yeah. and those are two different things, right? It doesn't make sense to live your life like your relationship is going to fall apart mm-hmm. unless you know that your relationship like, like Yeah. If your relationship is fine, acting like it's falling apart is not good. And it will make the relationship fall apart probably if you continue to act mm. that way, which is what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I've <laughs> I've been in. I've been in that yeah, situation. Yeah, it become before. a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been. Yeah. I've been on both sides of that before. Oh. <laughs> thinking back, but yeah, yeah. It's a. It's a weird thing. Um, so you made this decision that you weren't going to let people put restrictions on you, and of course you weren't going to put restrictions on other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what happened? Like, how, how did like? So you broke up with. Yeah. We broke up with the the one penis policy dude uh-huh well can i i want to add something actually sure. can i do that <laughs> yeah so another thing that was really a big deal for me was that i decided not only was i not going to like have rules put upon me and i wasn't going to put rules on other people but i wasn't even going to like ask for people's consent to 
to be intimate with other people in any particular way. Um, okay. So there's the whole concept of like third party consent that is really that I reject. That's really a core part of like what I call autonomous relating. Interesting. Um, and it goes along with just the idea that like you should expect everything and then deal with your own feelings and body in response to that and not make it my duty to like to deal with that for you. Um, so, yeah, I so like I mean, really what what made that an important thing to me was that I did end up cheating on the person that I was with. I'm, I want to put that in quotes, though, because I have a problem <laughs> with the concept of cheating. Right. But anyway, okay. yeah. And um, shortly after the experience of me cheating on him and then like not telling him about that, um, he eventually did give me consent to basically sleep with other men. Mm -hmm. And then I did that. And when we talked about it later, he became so enraged at me mm -hmm. and actually like emotionally abusive that I felt at that time, it doesn't really matter whether or not he gave me consent like, it wasn't, like, getting his permission or not that was the issue. It was just that I did the thing he didn't want me to do. Mm -hmm. um, and so I kind of gave up on that concept. So even, I, even yeah. though you had permission, he still didn't want you to do it, and so it didn't really matter. Right. Know? And I don't think it really matters in the grand scheme of things. In, in, some sense it, in some sense, permission in that context isn't really, <laughs> isn't really anything. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's not actual permission. Mm -hmm. If it's if it's the, you know, okay, you can do this because you're going to anyway. Right. Yeah. And that was something you said to me. He's like, well, it doesn't matter if I give you permission or not because you're going to do whatever you want anyway. And I'm thinking, yeah, exactly. That's my whole philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yes. So moving on, after the breakup, um, okay. I I mean honestly, I just kind of felt very liberated, and I started doing whatever I wanted to do, quite frankly. Okay. I mean, so after, actually, after that, I really strongly identified as um, practicing relationship anarchy. Okay. I no longer would say, I wouldn't label myself practicing relationship anarchy um, mm -hmm. at this point because I don't necessarily know if I am a full-on anarchist politically, although I agree with a lot of the principles. Okay. So I don't want that baggage right now. <laughs> okay. And and you feel like in order to identify yourself with relationship anarchy, you also need to be an anarchist? I do. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. And I know people have different ideas about that, but yeah, I do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> cool. So so what happened then? Like you were mm -hmm. you, so you're now feeling liberated. Yeah. And then what'd you do? Um I honestly just like made a lot of friends like I felt really free to go to a lot of events um, to meet a lot of new people and to engage with people in various ways without feeling like I needed to follow like a certain relationship path mm -hmm. um, when you say events yeah um, so like a lot of community um, like intimacy events so like we have an event called the like, queer spin the bottle um, and so I started going to those and yeah, just like meeting a lot of other people. I think for me, like what was so liberating about like my experience in the community is that I didn't, hmm, as that so many people around me and I myself had become really critical of the concept of like the couple unit. So no one or not no one, but like most people that I was engaging with weren't identifying as like part of a couple. Like no one had like partners or like boyfriends or girlfriends. Mm -hmm. um, pretty much it was like friends 
who have varying levels and kinds of intimacy mm-hmm. and didn't necessarily like bundle those all together into like a like oh this is a romantic relationship or this is a sexual relationship or mm-hmm. we're partners and I really love that I feel like everything is very fluid and and there's a lot less like stigma to to change within relationships because there aren't like these like labels and statuses that mm-hmm. that make change so like difficult I feel mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's a, a really interesting idea. Like, if you don't have labels, then when things change, it's just that they, things have changed. They just change. You don't need to relabel. Right. Is the, I suppose. Okay. Yeah. So, so you're, like, you start off as, in a um, pseudo-monogamous, like, monogamish, essentially, yeah. situation where uh. you're, like with a guy but you identify as queer did you identify as queer at that time Ah, i guess i mean i identify as bisexual okay okay so so sure yeah so queer bisexual (laughs) somewhere okay yeah Yeah. um good and then and then so you're like okay but there's this part of me that wants to be with women and he was okay with that Mm -hmm. i'm going to guess okay with that in the like yeah maybe threesomes can happen or yeah yeah, that uh, was definitely part of the equation. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, oh, straight men. He says, being one. <sighs> but yeah. yeah. So okay. So so and then within a matter of yeah. about two years now, uh-huh. you've gone to what seems an extreme. Yeah, I'm like that. That's also just, like, my personality. Okay. (laughs) Like, when I get into something, I get really into it. Okay. And I really got into, like, the politics of relationship anarchy um, and seeing all of my relationships and just relationships in general as Mm -hmm. political Mm -hmm. um, and becoming, like, more and more critical of monogamy. um, And I would say, I mean, specifically monogamism, so, like, the system of monogamy that normalizes monogamy in our society. Right. So rather than, it's not... Ugh, two people only having sex with each other. That's not so much the right. thing. It's the expectation that two people will only have sex with each other. Right, like, yeah. If they, yeah, are and having sex. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And that that's like a totally normal thing that we should all be practicing. And that is also um, not only like culturally enforced, but also like legally enforced, I'd say, like through the institution of marriage. Um, yeah. So I became very critical of those things, and I still am. <laughs> and <laughs> what's so wrong with marriage? Yeah. Um, he says, putting the ball in the key for you. <laughs> Go for it. So I think that there is, I think that it is wrong, unethical, unjust for the state to manage how people relate, which is mm-hmm. what marriage is. Um, I don't believe that there should be... How do I put this? I think that it is really damaging to society um, when the the government validates certain types of relating and then gives people um, incentives and certain privileges um, to like when they engage in that type of relating. And then other people who may not be engaging in the same like cultural institution that is very much... Um, based around like monogamous romantic love in the traditional sense Mm -hmm. um when those people who don't want to do that um 
don't have any, can't access those privileges. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's like the legal component to it, but there's also like a whole cultural component to it too. Mm -hmm. Um, Like there's definitely a hierarchy of relationships in our society in which married people are at the top. You know, and there's obviously, like, in polyamory, there's obviously the concept of the relationship escalator, and it's, like, like we're all supposed to be moving, like, from different stages of relationships up to marriage, and it seems like in, in at least, like, dominant society, like, everything that you do is supposed to, like, lead up to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think that that normalizes the idea that other types of relationships that we have that are not leading to marriage or a marriage are... Um, less important like they often get marginalized um, Mm -hmm. because we prioritize marriage and the couple unit so much in the nuclear family so I feel like it's really damaging to community building and to friendship and I've totally experienced that and I've seen lots of people experience um, the undermining of their friendships because of marriage Mm -hmm. and I think it's important to challenge that can you give give an example of uh, friendship being damaged by marriage yeah, I mean, I can talk about my own experience that I talked about in the essay, if that's, if that's yeah, okay. Go for it. <laughs> yeah, so I had a friend um, who I had, like, come out to her as a sex worker, mm-hmm. and she told her husband, which I did not tell her it was okay to do in the first place. Like, she outed me to someone who was a stranger to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so clearly she felt like it was totally okay to do that to me just because he was her husband so he basically barred her from seeing me in person he said that i was not allowed at their house Mm -hmm. um and that he felt that i was going to be a bad influence on their daughter that was like part of it Mm -hmm. um but that also he didn't want her talking to me like in person like going to hang out with me at all even Mm -hmm. outside of their house um and it was really upsetting that she ended up submitting to that even though she is very pro-sex work herself Mm -hmm. um and really was like excited to have a valuable um conversation with me about this like new thing that was happening in my life um and she said you know what um i'm sorry but i have to put my marriage first and i'm not going to hang out with you anymore Mm -hmm. and yeah i definitely feel that's a situation in which she she prioritized her marriage over a friendship with me. And even though I affirmed her values more than he did mm-hmm. in that situation, but just because of like the status of them being married, she did that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think people do that all the time too. That kind of thing. Yeah. 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 I, I think you're, you're probably right in the, the idea of, you know, that, that idea of, Oh, my marriage has to come first is a, is a, a common thing um, mm. that that people say, um, yeah, and and it can definitely um, hurt friendships mm-hmm. and uh, and such. Oh, I mean, and I will say, um, yeah, like this is an important thing too. He was insecure that like we were also interested in each other romantically and sexually, mm-hmm. um, and I think like I'm I'm pretty sure that was true for her. <laughs> Okay. I, it was for me, um, but I also don't feel like I need to, yeah, yeah, like at all answer that question for him, and that it's—I don't think it's any of his business. No. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even from a, like, even from a monogamous worldview, you could still say that like trust your partner is mm-hmm. a thing that should be happening. 
in that situation, and that is not what's happening. So you talked about sex work. Like, there's a story there. Can I ask you about it? Yeah, sure. Um, so I actually started out, um, I guess it was like t- a little over two years now. Um, okay. When I was still with my boyfriend, I actually started doing platonic cuddling. Okay. Um, and that was really amazing. I actually got trained for it by this company called Cuddlist. And okay. I provided like completely platonic services to okay. uh, people. Yeah, like I would go to their homes and cuddle with them. Um, And then, but I'd actually wanted to do sex work for a while um, because I just knew it was a really like quick, well, not quick to like get into it, to set yourself up. But like once you're like set up as a service provider, it's very quick to like make money. Okay. And I, yeah, I just wanted like freedom. I didn't, (laughs) did not want a boss. Um, Okay. So yeah, I started doing that when my boyfriend moved out of my apartment after we broke up. Okay. And that was one of the other, like, super liberating, amazing things about breaking up with him is that then I could, like, do this thing I'd wanted to do for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that really changed my life in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, like, just the amount of time that I had to, like, pursue my passions was amazing. And I'd never been able to do that before and also support myself. Um, and I also had an interesting time kind of, like, coming to understand a lot of the reasons why different people were seeking out sex workers, Mm -hmm. um, which made me even more critical of monogamy. (laughs) Well, tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the majority of my clients, um, and I'll say I'm using past tense because I'm not seeing any clients right now. Like I wouldn't say that I'm doing sex work right now. Okay. Um, But yeah, so a lot of my clients were married. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd say like the majority of them. And... All of them, well, not all, okay, there were, like, several different things that were going on, but, like, there were issues with within their marriage that were either, like, I don't feel like I can tell my wife, like, what my real sexual desires are, I'm afraid that they're just, like, too weird for her, mm-hmm. or she won't do certain things mm-hmm. that I want to do, um, or, like, they were just completely disenchanted with their marriages, with mm-hmm. their lives. Right. And so, yeah, they were all pretty much doing this secretly, and um, their wives didn't know about it. So they were all cheating, essentially. Um, And I found it interesting that, like, so many of these men were in what were supposed to be, like, to the public, they look like monogamous relationships. But really, all of them were non-monogamous. And Mm -hmm. there are so many, like, sex workers that I know who have, like, similar stories to this. Yeah. It's just interesting, like, how, for the most part, it just feels like monogamy is this lie that everyone is telling and I feel like are most people even really monogamous or is everyone, not everyone, but like are so many people actually non-monogamous secretly? Um, and do we need to, I think that it's important for people to, how do I put this? I'm like getting a little, I need a minute to like collect my thoughts, mm-hmm. but I don't know if you have like an interjection at this point or like, <laughs> um, well, so, so just the, uh, I mean, I think you're probably right. I think that it's probably the case that, um, that most, uh, you know, that most men looking for sex, you know, for sex workers are like this might be wrong. Okay. <laughs> so, 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 
I'm gonna say a thing. I just need your permission <laughs> to for for it to be. If it's awful, just tell me. Well, that's awful. Okay. okay? No, that's totally fine. Um, <laughs> You're gonna feel safe to make mistakes. Well, yeah. I just disagree so, with me or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, if they're paying for it, mm-hmm. then that means they couldn't get it for free. Discuss. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's necessarily true, actually. Um, I think they perceive, some of them perceive that they couldn't get it for free. Okay. And there are a lot of, I mean, I think the word can't is an interesting word. Um, There are a lot of, um, I think, systems in our society that make people feel like they can't do things. And really, it's like they feel like they shouldn't do these things. They could, but they don't want to, like, disrupt the norms that they feel like they have to live by. Um, you know what I'm saying? No, I totally so, get I totally get it. One client told me that he was like paying for my silence. Like that was part of it. Like if he yeah. were to were to get have like an affair, there's always a possibility like the woman could want more from him, could want him to leave his wife. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there are all these expectations. If you pay for it, it's a business transaction. It ends when yeah. the person leaves. So it's a lot safer that, that, in that, that way. That actually does make a lot more sense. Yeah. 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 Um, It's a lot more discreet. Like, that's always something that they're paying for, too, is discretion. Yeah. Yeah. How did you find out about this cuddle thing? Mm -hmm. And, like, why? Why did you do that? Why did I do it? Yeah. So I actually found out about it when I was um, working at a candle factory. So I used to make candles uh, for a living. Uh, for There's these... so many different ways to make a living, isn't there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was making candles for these two witches <laughs> in this factory. Yeah, they owned like a an esoteric shop. It was really awesome. Uh, but then I heard about yeah. So like one of my coworkers who was in the shipping department was making fun of this company Cuddle. He's like, oh yeah, I'm a cuddler. You should like book an appointment with me. I'll send you my link. And I was like, I believed him because I'm a really gullible person. Okay. And I was like, oh cool. And I'm like, yeah. So I actually went to the site to like try and find him. <laughs> And then, like, he wasn't there, obviously. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is, like, really cool. Mm-hmm. So, eventually, I, like, left the candle-making job, and I was serving, and I just, like, didn't want any bosses, like I said before. I'm very averse. Like, I'm super into autonomy. I only <laughs> want to work for myself. That's, like, my ideal goal. Um, so, I felt like that would be a really autonomous way to make a living. Um, and I am just, like, super into making other people feel good, like making other people happy. And I just thought this was an amazing service to provide for people. Like, Mm -hmm. like to give people a safe platonic space to just be cuddled and to like get really like the high, like the oxytocin high that you get from cuddling. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was also a chance for me to like practice boundaries and to teach other people about boundaries. Like how do you talk about boundaries when you have intimacy, especially when like people often equate intimacy with sex and sexuality. And so talking about the distinction between those two things was, like, huge. Mm -hmm. Um, And I loved doing that. And I loved, like, establishing that for people. Mm -hmm. And I also got to talk about and teach people about consent during Mm -hmm. the sessions and really, like, practice, um, practice asking for and respecting other people's affirmative consent, but also, like, practice, like, teaching people, like, you have to respect this in me, too. Mm -hmm. So I... I like grew in so many ways from doing that. And I feel like I actually like made a huge difference in people's lives for the short period of time that I did it. I will say there were some negative things about it, which is why I actually transitioned. Part of the reason why I transitioned into sex work too. Um, I felt like there were several people who could not respect the distinction between a platonic and an erotic session. 
So mm-hmm. a lot of people did come to me for sexual sessions. And then even though they would like agree to the guidelines that would make it platonic, they would later like try to push my boundaries during the sessions. So I just started to feel like kind of exploited actually mm-hmm. by these interactions and that it was becoming harder and harder for me to, um, for me to have truly platonic sessions with people. And so then I was like, well, I, why don't I just do sex work <laughs> and like make more money? So, so. <laughs> okay. So, so the, there's the company, what, Cuddle? Cuddleist. Yeah. Cuddleist. Okay. Which is a really amazing company, I think. Okay. okay. Yeah. And, and so, so what they, they train you up and then you are your own boss or like, how does that work? Yeah. So it's kind of a complicated relationship because they are not your boss, but you are representing their brand. Um, and so they do actually guide you a lot in how to talk about Cuddleist, um, and in how to basically represent their values. Um, okay. So you're like a franchise. Yeah. (laughs) That's an interesting way to, yeah. In a weird sense. Yeah. I mean, and basically like I, for them to host me, on their website, like on right. their platform to right. list me as like, this is our certified cuddler. Mm-hmm. I would have to follow all these guidelines, basically. Um, I don't know why I can't stop smiling when you say cuddler. Cuddle- but... I know, it's cute. It's like a cute word, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And well, so another complication was that they eventually, how do I put this? So ah, I'm getting all like tongue tied now. So I eventually started seeing some of the clients who approached me for sexual sessions for those types of sessions. I just ended up being comfortable doing that. But I was like really careful to distinguish it. Like this is not a cuddleist service. Mm -hmm. This is totally separate. Um, But then eventually cuddleist got nervous about having anyone with their company who also had like ads up on escort sites. Mm. Um, And so they developed a policy that you can't have that and be with their company. So I actually, I ended up leaving Cuddleist, which I totally understand that. Yeah. That kind of makes sense. Yeah. For their branding purposes and also legal purposes for them. What sort of people did you meet in the, the, like, who were these people who were just getting cuddles? Mm -hmm. Cause, cause I imagine that that would be different than the people. Yeah. At least obviously there's overlap because as you said, but there is some overlap, but, but yeah, who, who's, who's buying your cuddles? Yeah. For the most part, it was, um, People who talked about being really lonely uh-huh. um, and also suffering from anxiety. So I actually had someone who um, had PTSD um, and like who like that was a big issue. Why he sought me out um, mm-hmm. was for anxiety treatment. Um, it was a lot of men who were really stressed out by their jobs and just didn't have they structure their lives in such a way that they didn't have time or energy to like really get intimacy from, from people in their leisure time. So mm-hmm. just like hiring someone to do that was really convenient for them. Um, yeah, I had people who, I mean, there were so many different reasons. Like one person was still grieving, like the death of his girlfriend from like several years ago. And he felt like he just couldn't talk to anyone else about it. So he saw me on like the anniversary of her death. Um, and I actually really liked him as a client. He was really great. And just, yeah, I really enjoyed like comforting him and being there for him. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was people who like needed like to de-stress, get some comfort, some intimacy. Yeah. That was for the most part what it was. Mm -hmm. But that's a, (laughs) a, that's a really interesting thing. Cause yeah, that's something that we like as a society, we, it's something that seems really strange to commodify that. Mm. Yes. Right? 
do you feel like these people couldn't have gotten that on their own or like mm. or like i guess in some sense it was easier like why was it easier for them to pay for mm. it so i think it's easier for some people to pay for it because hmm i think that it may be it feels safer for them perhaps to have like a professional handle that Mm -hmm. for them. Like I'm basically managing the entire session for them for the most part. And I have all these protocols to try and make them like feel comfortable asking for things. And I think it like takes the pressure off of like maybe not knowing how to interact with people um, outside of like a professional setting. Mm -hmm. I think that in our society, we don't really teach people how to make friends and keep friends and how to um, have like healthy, intimate relationships that don't involve sex and sexuality. Mm -hmm. So I think that people feel like they need to like seek out these kind of like seek out like a cuddling service in order to like get that need met because like we don't have that. I don't feel like we have that in just like dispersed throughout our culture. Yeah. I think, you know, I think you're absolutely right. I think that, um, I mean, as a, as a man, um, I know like, um, just the, the concept of touching another person mm-hmm. or, or even more so having another person touch me, mm-hmm. right. Is extremely meaningful. You get a lot out of it and yet actually navigating that space mm-hmm. can be fraught. Just, just, just so like feels so dangerous mm-hmm. because of. I mean, because of toxic masculinity, because of rape culture, because of all of these things that have that, that, that have been done to us, that society has done to us, that we do to society, whatever mm-hmm. we have, right? That, 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 you know, whether we want to call it the, the patriarchy or, or whichever way to, to put it, there's just all of this shit that is... <laughs> it's all this stuff that makes it really... Um, difficult like I guess I get what you're what you're saying with you know the the whole it can be just easier to have a professional mm-hmm. have somebody who's who you know is going to walk you through the dark and terrible forest of gaining consent and all that different yeah. stuff and then and you don't have to worry about uh, you know, you know that that things falling apart because you do something stupid or whatever. You say. Yeah, and I think like underlying all of that difficulty is really like people are really afraid to ask for what they want. That's like a huge thing that we talked about in like the cuddling community. <laughs> um, and I think that is like connected to the fact that people a lot of times are. Hmm, People don't necessarily always um, feel safe to say no to things. So I think there's just like a lot of fear around like communication. Like if I ask for something, will this person like say no? And if they don't want it and if they say yes, is that meaningful? And like, because a lot of the clients that I had were actually really afraid of like somehow violating my boundaries. Mm -hmm. Um, Like they were afraid that that I would do things that I didn't want to do. Um, and that I wouldn't say no. And I just had to assure them like, no, if you do something I don't want, or you ask me, I will tell you no. 
And so I think like there's just so much fear in our culture right now about like, how do I communicate boundaries? How do I respect boundaries? What are we doing? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's like, that's really scary. So basically what? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and in some ways, yeah, it should be scary right now. Mm-hmm. Like you people, like it's, it's a good thing that people are having that fear reaction of, oh, I don't want this person to go past their boundaries and, and stuff like that. Like that's excellent. It's, yeah. It's, it's a first step though. Initially. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, right. Right. Like the next step is, okay, how do we communicate, I guess. Right. And right. It's, and it's awesome that, that, um, I guess you were helping with that to a certain yeah, extent. Yeah. I feel like I wish for sure. I wanted to say one more thing about like the cuddling thing and the sex work thing just yeah. together and how that relates for me to non-monogamy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like I, so I honestly would like to, I would, I feel like this sounds like so controversial to say, but I would actually like to see the cuddling industry and the sex industry go out of existence because they are no longer needed. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that like, if we proliferate the idea that you can have multiple partners, um, that would be something that would really eliminate the need for people to like monetize and like commodify relationships. Um, so yeah, I think that there is like a problem with like commodifying, like cuddling. Mm-hmm. Cause one, a lot of people can't afford it who yeah. actually need the service. Yeah. Um, and is it, is it expensive? I mean, it can I, I be, mean, I mean, I, I think suppo- it can I su- be expensive. I suppose it, I suppose, I suppose whatever price it is, it's expensive, isn't it? Just, just, it because, depends. Yeah. Because if you're actually, cause if you're poor, Mm-hmm. By any definition of the word poor, if you're considering yourself poor, you're not going to spend money on cuddling. Right, exactly. So any amount of money would be, make it expensive to a certain degree, I guess. Yeah. I anyway. Yeah. So like something that's more important to me than like the cuddling business is like teaching people like that you can have intimacy without sex and you can have different kinds of inti- intimacy with lots of different people. Mm-hmm. And just we need to like, what's the word? Like, I don't know. We need to proliferate our options for getting our needs met. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means like, I think destroying monogamy culture (laughs) personally, but yeah, like, I mean, with the sex industry, like, I think it's really important not to just like eliminate demand, but like to actually like give people who are doing sex work things that they need. So like, we all need to have Mm -hmm. our basic needs met so that no one has to do sex work if they don't want to. But I also feel like let's also proliferate Mm -hmm. non-monogamy so that people feel safe just like having relationships. Yeah. outside of their marriages right you know? es- essentially you're saying increase <laughs> supply to lower demand exactly not not but not supply of right not supply of sex work but supply of part intimacy yeah. intimacy i was going to say supply of sex but that just feels gross so i'm going to say supply well, of intimacy but yeah 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 let's increase all supplies to everyone <laughs> yeah because it's really that easy but anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah th- okay yeah that, that's awesome um so um yeah, thanks so much for coming on uh, this polyamorous life. And I have one more question to ask you, okay. which I hopefully I remembered to ask you this beforehand. I think right. I asked about a song or oh, a, yes. or media. Did you yeah. uh, do you have a song or other media that you um, would like to share with the this polyamorous life listeners? Sure. Uh, yeah. Um. So it's a song from the show Steven Universe. Okay. <laughs> So, so um, yeah. Michelle has picked Steven Universe the whole show. So now you have a song from it. Oh, she picked the whole show. Well, oh, wow, she, that's this interesting. Is, this is what the, the thing that she came up with. Wow, yeah. that's really interesting. No, I just picked a specific song, and um, I believe it's called Change. Okay. Um, 
and it's a song about respecting yourself and loving yourself first Mm -hmm. and then if other people can can change their mind in order to also respect you and love you then they can be part of your life and so for me that's really meaningful to me because ultimately like with my like whole autonomous philosophy Mm -hmm. on life i'm going to make sure that i am loving myself and living my life according to my values first and Mm -hmm. if other people who come along end up fitting in with that and like wanting to be part of that then they can do that but i'm not going to change myself and like undermine my autonomy in order to get love and respect from other people Mm -hmm. so yeah i love that awesome that's beautiful so i have a podcast it's a solo podcast um called bedroom eyes yeah okay and i'm just starting it so just to make sure that's bedroom yeah. eyes two words yeah okay yep. not not we're taking things and turning them into bedrooms we're bedroomizing them nope it's like yep okay, okay. <laughs> bedroom eyes okay bedroom um eyes. and i talk about a lot of the issues that we talked about on that's, this episode of your podcast that's awesome it's on podbean right now cool yeah that but it's gonna Which, be a, i want to put it on you know all the sites okay so, cool yeah yeah, yeah. The, the, i mean if if you're listening to this you might be getting this from podbean because that's where right that where this is right now yeah um but it will yeah but you're also getting this from itunes or wherever right listener i don't know where you're getting it from but <laughs> hopefully you know anyway yeah. uh yeah so so okay. cool that's awesome and uh, yeah so listeners go listen to bedroom eyes and juno will be able to give you more good useful information yes all right thank you thank for you having so me on To this polyamorous life sponsored by windsorpolyamory.wordpress.com please like rate and review the show wherever you can it does help a lot if you are listening on twitter let me know i'm at life polyamorous to help out the show financially go to patreon.com slash this polyamorous life everyone who donates no matter how small will get some form of shout out in the podcast This show was put together by me, Reg Robson, with some editing help from Aaron Christmas. A big thanks goes to Juno for coming on the show this week. I'll be back with another conversation for you in seven days. We are preparing for the Windsor Pride Fest Parade. I'm here at the corner of Ottawa and Argyle in Windsor, Ontario. And we are with Windsor Polyamory. And we're going to have an awful lot of fun in this parade. What do you find valuable about Windsor Polyamory? It's a relaxed group of people who are enjoying each other's company and happen to have something in common. The thing that I love about Windsor Polyamory from the start, the first event that I came to, people are warm, welcoming, open, and accepting, and fun. Um, I think the entire Windsor Polyamory community is very dedicated to an authentic expression of self and to growing and learning more about each other in the world, and I think that's really valuable. Find Windsor Polyamory at windsorpolyamory.wordpress.com.